me, Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM with MnDOT Mike. Mike Doherty with the Minnesota Department of Transportation. Number one, I can't believe it's already been another month, Mike. Yes. Yeah, January flew by. It's kind of, and yet we're still in winter. I know. We're still right in the meat of winter, too. So I guess we can talk more about snow plowing or specifically names of snow plows. Right. You know, I think that's kind of, you know, we're trying to help folks get through the winter with something fun instead of looking out and, you know, like the the sub-zero temps we had this week. um, The uh, Name of Snowplow Contest, MnDOT's third annual, um, wraps up the voting today. So you still have time. Um, if you go to mindot.gov backslash name a snowplow, and that's all one word, name a snowplow, um, you can vote. There's 60 names you can choose from. You, have, you can pick up to eight names out of there um, for the contest. And sometime in February here, um, they will announce the top eight. We select eight because we have eight districts within the state of Minnesota for MnDOT. So each district gets a new named snowplow. So it's kind of fun. And I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, I can't even remember all the names I voted for, but, you know, and I see some different news coverage and even just running into people that all have different favorites or they found one that I'll go, oh, I saw that. I didn't, that one didn't like register at the time, but that's kind of a funny name. And so it's, it's fun. So how do they decide which plow name gets applied to which district? You know, I don't know the whole process. I know, um, you know, since this is our third annual, I think the first time they just, it was kind of a, our each each district has a district engineer. So they're kind of the leader of that district. And when they gathered and they were presented with the eight names, I think the first time, I think they were able to just sort of pick and choose. Um, and I think the second time around, I think they, they you know, drew name out of, out of a hat or picked, like you, no, they, they picked like who, who would get to vote first. Like you just, I'm, I, oh, I got number three. I, I'm the third. Vo- so it's like know, a pick. fantasy football draft. Yeah, somewhat. And then, it, you know, you look <laughs> at some of the geographic areas like Betty Whiteout, you know, there was some discussion um, like it should be, you know, I think it ended up in like district, the district four that had um, like a township that was like St. Olaf Township or something, you know, sort of related to her golden girls um while there was some discussion about you know should it be you know our district because you know saint olaf is up in northfield saint olaf university you know but you know so there's some discussion i think there's like a bob dylan uh name variation in this list so we'll see if that if that one makes the cut you know you'd think it, it would likely go to district one up Right, Duluth and Hibbing and all that. But he's got a place out in southwestern Minnesota too. So, oh, I didn't realize that. So, yeah, maybe you know. So, yeah, I mean, they they'll look at some of those things that you know would it make sense for you to get it? And like the first year, our district engineer, he's a Star Wars fan, so you know he went with he went with Snowy One Kenobi. He's like, you know, he's a good guy. We want the good guy there, and um, so and. And we ended up with Edward Blizzard Hands last year, and um, which is kind of a fun one. And that one's over on I-35. Snowy One Kenobi's on 14 here, just out of Rochester, going to the east, to the west. Um, so it's 
you know, it's, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's, it's a good creativity exercise for a lot of folks. And well, I'm not going to ask you to remember all eight that you voted for, but you have a favorite. You know, I was just trying to look up the list and I couldn't get it. So I, cause I think, cause I voted already, but, um, I think I went with something real basic, like plow patrol or something. Oh, for plow patrol. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it's, it sounded kind of official and, you know, serious, but it's kind of fun too. It's, I think I, a spinoff of this Paw Patrol. Oh yeah. That the kids love and yeah. So. Okay. So by five o'clock today, you have to vote? Uh, I would, I would say five, but I'm not sure if it goes full till the end of the full day. Okay. Be like, safe before five. Yeah. I would be safe to go, <laughs> you know, so you still have a few hours and, you know, it's it's not heavy lifting. It's just pick some names that appeal to you. So, uh, you know, give it a shot. And, um, you know, I think it's gone so well. And, and the feedback, you know, that I've seen, um, I think this will be a, a regular occasion. I can't speak for MnDOT, but it sure strikes me as, as something okay. that gets people talking about it. And it's it's good to, to get people thinking about safety and, and the size of the snowplows as well. So the 60 names that we're selecting from. Yes. Do you get those from the general public? They throw them in the hat or how yeah. do you get them? We had over 10,000 uh, nominations. Um, I forget what the grand total was, but it was well over 10,000. So there's a committee that looks through them, you know, and figures out, you know, on the spreadsheet, you know, because there are duplicates, obviously, sure. um, and kind of gets it down. And they've got, you know, some criteria. It can't be political names. And, and there's certainly, you know, somebody tries to sneak by some double entendre or some, some sort of, uh, you know, something that everyone would snicker and laugh at, but uh, wouldn't be appropriate for a, a state government <laughs> vehicle. So, you know, they've got that and, and then um, come up with a, a good representative sample of, of the popular ones and some fun stuff and, uh, and come up, I think they were shooting for 50, but they got up six down to 60. And, um, and from there you got to narrow it to eight. That's what's happening now until later today. Then, but I'm I'm seeing the person who's the data entry person from all these selections who got to put the type it into the spreadsheet. Does every once in a little chuckle? Yes, that's pretty good. Ah. <laughs> it is. It's kind of I think to me it's you know you look at the list and that's what I would do too. Like oh that is clever. I would yeah, I would have never cool. thought of it, but somebody was sharp enough to to do that and. Others, you kind of puzzle and go, uh, I don't know what that one is, but obviously so, it made the cut. So so when you have conferences elsewhere in our great nation, does this thing get brought up at all? Do people uh, remember that Minnesota does this weird name a plow contest? And I, I think so. And I think, you know, they always say the, um, you know, the what the the best form of flattery is imitation. And, and so we've seen a lot of other states do, you know, you, you do a Google search and, and you see, you know, across the, the country and I know South Dakota and North Dakota, you know, um, we were among the first. I would, you know, I'm always cautious about claiming, you know, that trailblazers status. But I know MnDOT was one of the very first ones. And we got the idea, um, Scotland, I think, oh, okay. you know, it was like it was like 2019, I think, going into, you know, the, the pandemic year. Um that it popped up. I remember seeing it and, you know, found out our, our leadership was looking at, at doing this. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. And 
they got right after it and um you know figured out a good system and you know they got they try to put it on a truck that's newer so it'll it'll have some longevity out there and then you know they're they're they are conversation pieces when they go out to these transportation fairs or or at the state fair like betty whiteout was out at the state fair last year um you know and it's just as many adults as kids that that come out there that want to get their you know do selfie. a selfie with it yeah and um so it's fun i mean it's it's we do deal with a lot of serious stuff and important stuff but this is kind of fun and you know it uh you know it gives people a chance to watch for you know the plows when they're out there you know is this the named one is that the is that snowby one is that you know is that edward blizzard hands and well i i'm not proposing using taxpayer dollars to do this so we'd have to come up with some sort of con contributor or whatever but it'd be cool to put one of those wraps on these yeah so they really stand out but like I said, I would not want to see tax dollars. No, it. it would be interesting. Yeah, but it's they do, you know, they do so much custom work to these snow plows when they get them because essentially it's just a bare bones dump truck when it comes to MnDOT. And then they've got to um, put on all the blades, all the electronics, computer system, the cameras, um, the lights, you know, it's. Um, so it's, it's not one of those where you order a car and it, you right. know, the dealer calls and it's ready to go. It's, it comes to us. And then MnDOT does a lot of work to get these, these puppies up and running and, and rolling out the door. All right. So get in your votes before the end of the day. It's MnDOT.gov slash name a snowplow. And that should get you there. Okay. Yep. We'll take our break. We're talking with MnDOT Mike, Mike Doherty with the Minnesota Department of Transportation on Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Dancing crew. Mike Doherty, Minnesota Department of Transportation. I'm Andy Brownell. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. And we are in the middle of the winter season. And oftentimes the <laughs> the roads are a mess. Yeah, that streak a week or so ago where it snowed oh. every single day. It did, and those and snow it seemed to snow folks. more than what was predicted every single day. It was. I was always surprised, and I was glad. Like you know, like our snowplow people were well aware of that what was happening, and were you know ready and deployed people. But because I would I would kind of look ahead and go, eh, yeah, it doesn't look too bad, you know, and and think, okay, I'm glad I'm not in charge because. I would have been caught flat-footed, but yeah. the people that are important, they know, and they had everybody out and, um, yeah, working around the clock on it. Well, those, ha those have to be, in some ways, worse than the big blizzard storm because it's just this constant, just nuisance level of snow. Yep. But it you can, still got to clean it off. You do. And because, yeah, because that can really, you know, bite you quick if 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 it stays on the ground um, you know, with motorists getting slick, compaction, all that stuff that it can really turn into something bad if we're not out there. And so, yeah, they're, they were working those 12 hour shifts and looking pretty bleary eyed. By yeah. Them. Day after day after day. I was thinking about that. Oh my yeah. goodness. So one of the things we've talked about in the past, and we had callers in the past as well, that the different tools that MnDOT has to clear the roadways, obviously the blades. Yep. And we talk about salt. 
And you mentioned the brine solution in the past. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can get more into what how that all works. Yeah, and we're seeing more use of brine. MnDOT is being, you know, it's directing our folks to um, focus more on that. We're learning more. We're doing research on it. So it's it's brine is just salt water. So um, MnDOT's optimal solution. Um, I checked with our folks yesterday because I was saying 23%. They said it's 23.7% salt. Uh, so, but they've, they've learned, I mean, they've, they've refined this of where it works best, how to keep it mixed. Um, because it, it, you can utilize it in a number of ways, you know, on the bigger picture, it's better for the environment because we're using less salt, you know, and it's also better financially because we're using less salt, you know, um, but, um, the applications that they're able to use with it, um, they can activate the rock salt. So sprinkle it, you know, kind of spray it down. So, you know, obviously salt when it's dry, it's there, but you know, you think about when you, you taste salt, you know, it, it wets it, it activates. Right. It's so they give it a little sprinkling when it goes down. So they can do that. Um, you know, and it, it salt, you know, really loses its effectiveness at about 15 degrees. Um, so if you can give it a little activation sprinkling, um, you can get that salt working when it drops on the ground and then it can get going. Um, we mix it with other things um, like the beet heat. So we can, beet heat it utilizes um, the sugars from sugar beets because it has a lower freeze point. Um, so when we get down in that zero, sub-zero, you know, salt just doesn't work on, on rock salt by itself. So we can mix in some brine and beet heat together and that gets down on the ground uh, to help break up that compaction off. And we'll see after a snowstorm and the temperatures are low on the ground. Um, How cold can you go with that? Um, I think down to around minus 20. Um, okay. Talking with our folks. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously we do on occasion see something below that, but you know, on the, you know, overall averages, we don't see minus 20 a lot here in this country, you know, but it's not unheard of. So you know, it gives us that good range. And then, you know, now, you know, when we see these warmer temperatures, we can just, you'll see maybe even some pre-treating where there'll be a, a like a, a small truck with a tank on the back with a dri- a bar that just kind of sprinkles it down on the roads in advance. And that may dry initially, but it leaves that residue of the salt on the on the surface of the ground. And so it helps if if we do get any compaction or ice that there's a salt layer underneath that helps us break that up. Um, Does that yeah. also, when the snow first starts, it allows it to be just wet for a while as well? Exa- yep, yep, yeah. So if it's getting driven and packed down, um, at least there's that salt layer underneath. Um, it doesn't allow it to necessarily bond and freeze to the the road surface um so you know there um how many gallons of the beet stuff do you guys go through have you ever figured that out we've got that figure i don't have that there um so you have big tanks of beet juice in the ground well it's 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 some variation of it they pull the sugars out of it so it's like Um, a powder Something and I think they mix it. I think I don't know exactly okay. um, how that gets mixed in. Um, 
you know, if it comes liquid or how, what our folks, I know we do make our own brine. So they, you know, utilize the, the salt. And that's, that's been a big investment by MnDOT is, is these brine making facilities. Um, cause you have to have water, <clears throat> but not all of our truck stations have those yet. So you'll see big tanker trucks come up. You know, that's sort of your signal that, oh, we might be getting some weather here because there'll be tanker trucks at the brine facility here in Rochester because they'll be taking that brine down to, you know, a truck station, say, I don't know where, Preston or, you know, someplace. Um, so, and we want to get more of those facilities there so we're not spending our people's time, you know, with driving a tanker truck sure. up to take salt water, take it down. Um, they can be ready, but. I think last, well, on average, our district, we used um, 827,000 gallons of brine. Um, that's our average, five-year average. So, you know, we're getting up there and seeing that our rock salt usage is either staying sort of static or going down. And and that's kind of the goal. Um, and then just as our folks were talking about, they've done the research even just you know, if you think about something that's hard and brittle, if you threw it on a hard surface, it's going to bounce. Yeah. So if you're spreading that, um, even if you're in the middle lane trying to spread rock salt by itself, it's going to bounce. And some of that's going to bounce off on the shoulder, in the ditch. Um, when you wet it down, it softens that so it falls quicker. And then, you know, even if you can, you know, the brine itself, it goes where you apply it. So you're you're getting more efficient, you know, application of the salt by the use of this brine. So it's it's better for the roads. You know, they figured out how to do it in the wheel tracks and things. And it's pretty fascinating. And, and I think over the next few years, MnDOT's gonna continue to learn more on the use of brine and how to apply it and, and some of the best equipment to use it. Um, and MnDOT's part of that those discussions. So that's pretty cool. Well, I like the fact that you have something that works when it gets cold because it wasn't that many years ago that once it hit that, level the salt was not effective the only weapon you had left at that point was sand and if it was windy out eh, not so yep. effective yeah and sand just gives you that grit you know it just yeah. traction but it's not going to remove um that whereas you know in talking with our folks even when we get down to those serious cases where they bring out the um the icebreaker i think we've talked about that in the past yes. it's that big roller and it's got these little prongs and it puts dimples into the the ice well they what they can do is you know put the icebreaker on the front have brine spreading in the back or bee heat sprinkles into those little those dimples holes, yeah and then you come along with a grater and it lifts it so there's a a whole process that they can do to kind of you know infuse some of that ice with you know stuff that'll break it up a bit more and so that's just a lot more tedious and um you know time oh, yeah. but it gets the job done and if you have that buildup of ice, that gets to be really dangerous. It just gets polished yep. by the yeah. vehicles, and you end up with a, a potential disaster on your hands. Mm -hmm. We already have to take a break for news with yep. MnDOT Mike. Mike Doherty, Minnesota Department of Transportation. We'll be back after the news break on Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. First, we decide where we want to go. Then, Johnny Hell, it's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. And we are joined this morning by Mike Doherty from the Minnesota Department of Transportation, MnDOT Mike. We got to get that on a snowplow, MnDOT Mike. 
Yeah, that, that would be kind of fun. But I, uh, <laughs> a little Ringo microphone next to you. Uh, but speaking of snowplows, we have had some days and mornings with really dense fog around here. Yes, and visibility has definitely been an issue when people have been driving to and from work, especially outside of the city and some of the low lying areas where it got to be pea soup at times. And uh, it still amazes me, but it does happen. People smash right into the snowplows. Yeah, we've had not as many instances, the weather-related um, crashes this year. You know, we've saw it a few, but yeah, any kind of visibility thing. I don't know if it's just, you know, I guess there are, and State Patrol does investigate all the time is, you know, is it a distraction of something that was in the vehicle? Was it just... You know, they're long driving and you sort of zone, zone out, um, you know, or, yeah, I don't know. It's just sometimes it's tough because you look at a snowplow and you're like, that's a pretty big piece of machinery moving down the road. Pretty well lit, too. Yeah, yeah, right. It's got the blue and amber, you know, lights. They're flashing, you know, um, and yet we do see that in um, a place that's been sort of really challenging in winters past especially is i-35 and even i-90 kind of over in that um albert lee area of our district um where we've had a number of vehicles you know crash into the the back of a snowplow and you think wow you know how did that happen and and sometimes you know it's because there's a snow cloud that that the snowplow is kicking up but you know you always say well you know, if there's like this snow cloud going down the highway, logic would tell you that something's creating that. And, you know, and it's probably right on the other side of that cloud. So you don't want to just drive blindly into it. But, you know, we've had some instances, previous winters where I think it was even maybe last year where we had a succession of like six or seven crashes in one day um, over in that I-90, I-35. And we've worked with the state patrol. We've We've looked at some of the crashes and tried to figure out you know what's working sometimes it's that plow that's in the left lane they've got a wing on the the left side and that may throw people off that maybe they don't you know logic again would tell you that we plow both lanes and so the snowplow would have to be in that you know those lanes but for whatever reason we see that and you get us you know a semi that's coming along at you know 75 80 miles an hour that hammers into the back of a snowplow it's really sent those guys spinning and um and thankfully we've not experienced you know any serious injuries or fatalities but you know it's like anything it's sooner or later that's going to happen so we've got a pilot project right now in aust or in albert lee where um they have put on some uh decal uh on the backs of snow plows and i liken it to like if you see say like the you know the fire chief or some of the, you know, deputy chiefs that they have those vehicles that have it's it's yellow and it's sort of a Chevron, yellow and red um sure. Chevron. Um and it's bright and it's kind of different. And it's so the the backs of the snow plows of several snow plows over in Albert Lee have that. Um it's a real slick surface, so they don't believe that the snow will cling to it. So it should stay um more visible. And they're hopeful that that maybe that that another additional measure on a snowplow can attract that attention of a driver um at our worker memorial um event last year 
we had a, a snowplow operator from over there that got hit, you know, and he described it how he was in the left lane. It was a clear blue day. You know, there wasn't anything. Um, and he was driving on the left lane with his wing kind of clearing things up. And he said he glanced and he saw, you know, there was a snow, there was a semi on his right back a little bit. And he saw somebody way back, but, you know, he just kept going. And he said he heard on the radio the, the semi driver in the right remind, telling the, the guy coming up on the left that, hey, there's a snowplow up there. What are you doing? And he said he just happened to look in the mirror as he saw the grill right before the impact. And it, it drove, the semi drove over his wing plow because it kind of veered at the last minute. But it, then it shot him over in the right lane down in the ditch, sliding sideways. Um, you know, it was just a lot of chaos. He, you know, was able to get out and, and check things out. But then he said, you know, he was looking around for his wing plow because it wasn't on his plow anymore. And they looked and looked. And then finally they looked under the semi and the semi had just gone up and over it. And um, so, you know, yeah. he said he had a stiff neck. And I mean, it just kind of gives you goosebumps when he describes the whole sequence of events. Well, I, you know, in that case, I'm suspecting that this truck driver might have been distracted by a cell phone or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if they ever determined what it was, but that's, that's what we're always trying to get to the bottom of. Like, what was yeah. it? What, what can we do to keep and you from hitting us? <laughs> I know. And then you go, what can you do if that's the case? So you, you know, how many times have you told you not to do that? Yeah. Because this could happen. You know, one, one sort of, general um thing you know we've talked about in the past um the snowplows on 52 and 35 have that um radio technology that that alerts those digital message signs yes you know it says snowplow up ahead um that's one thought um that eventually maybe that technology could be used to alert your cell phone as you you know there would be sort of like a geofence around that snowplow so as you approach it it could alert your 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 cell phone, you know, sort of similar to like an amber alert or something like that. I don't know if that will ever come to be, but that's one discussion that people have talked about. You know, is that something to look at? You know, it could freak you out as a driver too. And, you know, there's a right. lot of things to work through before that would ever um, even be tested out. But, you know, that's the type of technology that we're thinking about in the future, you know, with automated and, you know, connected vehicles, um, you know, is that something that could be employed that would bring about better safety? Yeah, and I keep going back to it's a snowplow. How did you miss the snowplow? <laughs> yeah. I can see it in fog and heavy snow where visibility is low, but on a bright, sunshiny day, the big yellow orange object going down the road with lights blinking all over it is pretty hard to miss. And yeah. at that point, Maybe we need remedial driver's ed. You know, sometimes, yeah. I mean, there could be something where, yeah, maybe certain types of crashes you, uh, oh. I don't know. People, I, I've read an example is obviously people don't take this act of driving serious enough. There was one time we were up on um, 94 headed towards St. Cloud and I had a full-size van from the driver's seat and I'm being passed by a car in the left lane and the driver was reading a book yes a book on the steering wheel yeah i've got a when i present to driver's training classes 
our stay back, stay alive program, um, we get to distracted driving and, you know, yeah, cell phones are often discussed, but here's a list that we've compiled from the state patrol officers and reading a book is one because I, I know one talked about somewhere on I-90 where the driver said, well, there was nobody out here really past the state patrol officer reading a book and uh, was summarily pulled over and corrected. And, so. Yeah. And I always like to joke that he gave him a, a bookmark that looked like a, a, a citation. Citation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little hard to pay attention to your driving while you're reading. That's, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody be safe out there. Yes. It's unfortunate that you have to talk about geofencing trucks and putting... I saw a police car the other day that they now they've added new lights, apparently. It's the first time I've seen it along the... Um, oh, my gosh. I'm going to lose the, the... Right below the door on the car, the rocker panel. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and it was like two LED flashing lights just to add that much more visibility to these cars yeah. when they have their full lights on. And yeah, you couldn't miss it. It looked like a flying saucer coming down the road. Okay, we'll take our break. Bindot Mike's with us. We're going to sneak in a little bit of a preview of the highway construction season. Yes. Okay, we'll do that when we return. With more of Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROCAM, and 96.9 FM. They say they'll get your biggest tax refund. Jackson. I'm Andy Brown, Ellis, News Talk 1340, KROCAM, 96.9 FM. Mike Doherty, of course, Minnesota Department of Transportation. I know MnDOT hasn't rolled out the official highway project summer season thing yet because it's only early February, but yes, you do have at least a little bit of a preview for us. Well, I thought it's always good to kind of get yourself thinking about it, um, especially these bigger projects, um, you know, and, and the use, at least, you know, for especially for folks, you know, in Southeast Minnesota and Rochester, that 52 is that main artery that, that so many of us use to get up to the cities. People come down, um, you know, freight, everything that utilizes that route. Um, and there'll be significant construction on that not the whole way up, but, um, you know, basically from, you know, north of Zumbroda up to, you know, the Rosemount area um, coming later this construction season, there'll be our project that people are, you know, have been aware of. Um, it's in its last year, but they will be north of that, that Hater area up to Cannon Falls. And then a little bit south of there, they're doing that reconstruction of the southbound lanes. So, We'll be back to that single lane traffic, um, you know, and, you know, as we we always note that there are periods of time, you know, whether it's a weekend, you know, a Friday night, Sunday afternoon, uh, commuting whenever, time. Whenever I'm on the highway. Yeah, yeah, when Andy gets behind the wheel, it's it'll clog up. Um, but, you know, it's it's good to remember because that, you know, when you're taking like four lanes and you're reducing them to two, and everybody has to stay in single file in both directions. You know, you can get some traffic congestion, slowdowns, delays. Um, and so that'll be in our area. But then when you go further north, um, our metro district is going to be starting a two-year project, which will be great when it's done. But they're going to, um, you know, repave um, and rework um, Highway 52 from that. It's um, County Road 86. So it's that that last yep. ex north exit um, at Cannon Falls. So you go just past, past, past the railroad tracks. 
Yes. Yep. Exactly. So north of there, they will be um, repaving basically up to through Coates um, to the Rosemount area. Wow. Um, and so they're going to do one direction this year and one direction next year. I don't recall which side. It's not necessarily too important, you know, at this point, but um, you will be down to single lane traffic in a lot of areas. They'll, they'll break it up here and there, but they don't like to have you weaving too much. So you will have some stretches there. And you maybe noticed last fall they were building those crossover lanes in preparation. If you go through now, you can see there are like some yellow cushion, you know, barricades up on those those areas because they will be using those as soon as they can get going you know, in April, early May. Um, but we, we do that more often now where we'll get the, the crossover started so that we don't have to wait around for weather to get better for that stuff. And as soon as we can, we can switch traffic. But so that'll give you, you know, essentially from, you know, north of Zumbroda all the way up to that Rosemont area, there will be, you know, a lot of single lane traffic congestion, like we said, especially on those weekends, I think you'll see some delays, especially at those pinch points where, you know, we saw it last year where they had it down to single lane when they were building the crossover lanes, especially at the metro area, just south of Coates. I know coming back a few times myself, um, where they had to merge to a single lane, it was just backed up, um, you know, trying to get everybody to zipper merge. Uh, but um, so that's just sort of put it on your radar now. It's not going to happen for a couple months. But it's worth thinking about if if you can pick an alternate route um, or alter your time of day of travel. That's always good. The road surface that they're are they going to put new cement down or will be? I believe it's light? concrete. Yeah, I believe it's concrete. So okay. that'll be you know good. Um, like you saw, you know that that stretch that we put in by Hater. You know, at six and a half miles south of Cannon Falls, there. Um, I talked to somebody at an event recently that was noting. You know, you're kind of bouncing along on the old stuff and then you get to the new concrete and it's like, it's quiet, it's smooth, it's it's safer, you know. So um, that's, I always, you know, I'm kind of the long-term thinker in, in much of my life and that's what I always say is it's going to be good. It's just getting there that may be a little challenging. There's no other way to do it. No, no, I wish, <laughs> you know, unless you can build offline or do something like that, but that's, that would boost the expenses beyond belief. And so there's always talk and I know they're long range. It's the goal is to create a freeway. Yes. From Rochester to the twin cities. Yep. Does this work entail closing any of these at grade crossings at all, or is this just a straightforward repave it? I think it's mostly repaving. There may be some closures. I haven't looked close enough to see um, okay. on that yet, what that entails. Um, but yeah, I know they did some of that early on in, in, in our project. We're closing some access, you know, where we're funneling people down to more of a central access point. So it's not a bunch of, because I think that is where you run into problems where people come from a, a freeway or more urban area and they're used to it. And people do, do, push the speed limits on 52 so you you heighten that you know that velocity and then you get somebody that's pulling out perhaps yeah. unexpected to the driver on the main line and that's where you get those those right angle 
high-speed crashes that inevitably end up in serious injuries or, or death. So that's right. what we're trying to reduce. And I know that's an expensive process with all the different yep. options at your hand, but uh, yeah, I know. It's yeah, anytime you're acquiring property for. or you're building bridges across, you know, for interchanges and things like that, it does really raise the cost. And And this project that we're doing now, that was a beneficiary of, you know, initially it was just going to be repaving. We're going to put blacktop down and hopefully, you know, extend it for 13, 15 years. And, um, but the legislature at the time back then um, moved some of the, the general fund sales tax money from auto parts and repairs and those sorts of things into our, our transportation funding. So that boosted it and they wanted us to do it on higher impact, more needy projects. So we were able to upscope that project to do this, close some you know access, build that interchange at Hader, replace bridges, um, really get more of a comprehensive um, best type fix. And so, um, you know, we're always hopeful that those types of, you know, infusion of money can actually get a, you know, a much better longer term fix that that addresses the long term rather than just gives you a smoother surface for a, a time of another period of time. Well, I imagine later on this year, you and I will be able to talk about it seems as if there's going to be an infusion of funding for infrastructure. Yep. How large of an infusion is still unknown. But once we know, maybe you could have an idea of what might be done with that money. I, mean, I suppose that process is going to take a while too. Yeah, and some you. of that will evolve because they definitely developed some criteria. You know, on one good front, um, last year the legislature um, adjourned without approving MnDOT's um, spending authority for that federal IIJA, that infrastructure money. And that was like over $300 million that we needed approval. And we we were shuffling funds to kind of keep everything moving, but there was some heartburn coming up that, you know, at some point we needed that money and the legislature has moved ahead with that. Um, I know in the House the other week, you know, it was unanimous and I, I can't recall what the Senate was, but they approved that that funding and that gives us the go ahead with that federal dollars. And then we'll see more federal infrastructure money coming, but it's more competitive grant type things. So um, it's not just a, a, a lump sum directed at certain things, but you know, we've already got, we got $25 million grant um, for our Austin I-90 bridges project from the federal program uh, because it qualified on certain e- efforts. And, and that really helps because then we can take some of that state money that was was destined for that project and maybe put it over into a, a project that maybe wouldn't qualify for federal funds, um, but is certainly needy for that that stretch, you know, so it's 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 a good way all around. It's not necessarily where the money goes that benefits, it's also other projects within their district. All right, Mike, unfortunately we have run out of time. It's always so good I, talking to you. Well, it's always good having you on and I appreciate all the information you share with our listeners and Next month, when we get together, we'll hopefully be talking about a spring thaw. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to hold out hope quite much for that. We'll, we'll talk potholes. Yeah. Wishful thinking is, I'll put it that way. All right. <laughs> you have a great weekend, Mike. Thank you so much. Yep. Take care. And don't forget to vote before the end of the day on your snowplow. Yes. Okay. MnDOT Mike, Mike Doherty, Minnesota Department of Transportation, Rochester Today. Newstock 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM.
Do your shelves look a little too do-it-yourselfer? 